Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about two of our favorite things, Star Wars and Tabletops and them together. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games and sometimes movies. And uh, this week we're going to be talking mostly about tabletop, I guess, but a little bit about video games because it's it's a little bit of an all-encompassing, I don't know, thought I yeah. guess. And a little bit about <laughs> movies because, you know, it's Star Wars or movies. So yeah, this really like is the trifecta, man. We're the triple threat podcast topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, just kind of, we're definitely going to base this in type of RPG stuff. And you've played a lot of D20, uh, right? The D20 system for yep. Star yep. Wars. Um, I haven't played a lot of anything. I think I might have drafted up a character or two at different points in time. But I have been listening to Edge of the Emp- or an Edge of the Empire podcast called Campaign, which I've talked about before. Um, and so it seemed like kind of I, I know that you, you had some thoughts that you wanted to share on this, buddy. So why don't you start? So off? the thing. So okay, yeah. So the thing that got me on this thought is we've been talking about uh, the campaign podcast that you mentioned, right? And uh, my very first uh, campaign was for Star Wars. The very first thing I ever played, like the very first RPG thing, was because we bought the like the D twenty uh, Star Wars book right after Attack of the Clones came out. Because uh, we were all maybe we were like twelve and thirteen at the time. Um, Revenge of the Sith was on its way, you know. And then once Revenge of the Sith came out, they would eventually kind of like make it. Uh, I think they made a source book and then just went into saga after that. Um, but there, for a while, there were just like a ton of these Star Wars source books for like the D20 version of Star Wars. And so it had me like almost kind of reflecting on it. And something that I heard about, in fact, something that I remarked on the podcast is how everyone always seems to do these, um, smug, like, like, like the, the core fantasy for what Star Wars, the RPG, seems to want to be, is to be a group of smugglers-ish in the rebellion, you know, the the Empire era, and, uh, you know, like, flying, you know, flying around in your beat-up, essentially just playing, being Han Solos by other names, right? I don't know, maybe someone is a, you know, is a Jedi that made it through the purge, you know, like, it's something, you know, things along those kinds of lines, but for the most part, I feel like that is the core campaign that I see at every turn when it comes to playing Star Wars, and I was wondering a little bit about why that might be the case, and I don't know that I have a great answer, because to a certain extent, I I think it's easy to say something along the lines of, like, right, well, Han Solo is... You know, like, the, the, you know, it, it, he is the breakout character. He's the character everybody loves. Everybody wants to be Han when you're six and in your backyard and playing Star Wars. You know what I mean? Um, and that kind of fantasy about f- sitting in your starship and, you know, moving around place to place, drifting, kind of the Firefly story arc is, is just a really magnetic one. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what I, I... Because Star Wars as a universe is so big. There's so much to do. There's so much to get involved in, right? Um, and I find it just uh, really interesting to see how people want to interface with that world. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think part of it you can get into is, is kind of like this. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like playing the Horde in World of Warcraft, right? Like, I think part of it is everybody expects that most people want to play the Jedi, um, but that's, like, the goody-choo-choos 
Um, so, so I think there's kind of like uh, an attraction there. Also, I think in a weird way, Smuggler kind of is like the bucket that like everything that's not Jedi kind of falls into. Right? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be... Oh, interesting. It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, you know, none of the characters have... None of the characters that you build have to necessarily be, like, like hardcore smugglers. Like, Smuggler Bounty Hunter, I think, is the same type of thing. Right. Um, um, and in fact, the Edge of the Empire is built around smugglers and, and bounty hunters. Um, but, like, I, I, I feel like part of it's, like, you know, you don't want to be... You obviously don't want to be a, a like a normal tradesperson, right? Because that's that's not a high adventure game, right? Like I guess you mm. could play like some sort of table to like you know space shipping lanes, um, but that's that's not that, that's not why you play Star Wars. You don't play Star Wars to to, to run the diner that Obi Wan walks into, um, um, and then like the other side of that is is like, um, being like, so, so like I guess you could be a soldier, which I think is another big one, but I think that that's like a very specific thing, right? Like I could see playing a Star Wars game, a soldier-based Star Wars game, but then I think everybody is soldiers, and like you're you're playing a, you're playing a very specific thing. You're almost playing like war war games at that point, um, and so I, I think Smuggler kind of like it catches this bucket of like non-force user adventures. I I just don't think there's good definition around around other things in, in there. Cause I guess it uh, that, that struck me too. When, when I was listening to this podcast, um, like th th there are four very different personalities on this podcast and yet they all kind of fall into the smuggler quote unquote archetype. Yeah. I, I actually do think that's kind of clever and true. Like for instance, in, um, uh, so in the D20 game, there were, so there's two Jedi, right? Jedi counselors who are kind of like diplomats, Jedi guardians who are the, you know, beat em ups, right? Uh, then there's soldiers. Um, I think they're called nobles, which is kind of the envoy, you know, like the, uh, the very diplomacy based, they get a bunch of like free gold and shit. Right. Um, there were, and then rogues were essentially scoundrels, right? Uh, which is just based off of, like, one line in Empire Strikes Back. Like, <laughs> um, and uh, what else was there? There was tech specialist, which was awesome. Tech specialist had this awesome mechanic where, uh, just like on a quick diatribe, where they got a bunch of free points that they could, like, like essentially every time they leveled up, they got a big pool of experience to use for the crafting rules. Because, like, the crafting rules for, like, 3-5 D&D &D are, oh, you know, yeah. like, you spend experience in order well, to craft shit. Yeah, the, the Artificer also had something like that. In, in, yeah, yeah, and so you got the same kind of thing for, for, for tech specialists. Also, tech specialists had access to things like... Uh, you know, like the hyperdrive skill that uh, that allows you to move across the galaxy and everything like that. I don't know. I also think the ship mechanics in that game were particularly well done. Um, I played it from a couple of different perspectives, actually. Like, one of the first things that we did, or not one of the first things, but one of the things that we did in our game was we hijacked a Star Destroyer. Um, but I, I can't even remember how the specifics of us getting in there, but we got in there, and then we used... Uh, we like we modulated our voice somehow in order to give orders from the bridge to like the whole crew of this star destroyer, um, and so that happened. Uh, and then we actually carted around that star destroyer for a long time. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But like the the kind of Star Destroyers were a gargantuan vehicle, right? Um, and Tie Fighters were uh, diminutive. Uh, but there were certain rules on kind of like shields and lasers and stuff like that. So like you know, it doesn't matter how many Tie Fighters you eject into you know into your into space for your space fight, right? You're not going to be able to pierce um, the essentially the DR of the uh, of the Star Destroyer. You need another capital ship in order to do that. Um, I think that kind of thing lends itself much more to the kind of we're all a smuggler team inside of the Millennium Falcon than it uh, than it does to we are all rebel soldiers and all of us have an X-wing. If that makes sense, um, I don't know. There, there's just something about that kind of breakdown. Uh, where, you know, like, your downtime for the campaign is just flying through hyperspace, you know, playing that stop-motion chess thing that they were playing in. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh, Let the Wookiee Win? Yeah, Let the Wookiee Win. That, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think part of it, too, like, I'm thinking about this from, like, an archetype perspective. Like... If you think of like, like the, the traditional, the traditional, um, uh, uh, I believe the game is called Dejuric. Yeah, I just looked that up while I was talking. But anyway, um, like if you break the party down, the, the classic party is what tank, ro- or tank DPS, uh, or tank rogue wizard healer, right? Cleric tank uh, fighter yeah. rogue wizard cleric, and I think. In 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 uh in in the in in this type of universe, three of those four roles are like kind of um like non mag like they're not Jedi essentially, and, and those kind of fall into the smuggler bucket, right? Like your fighter is a smuggler that uses like uh your fighter and your rogue are smugglers, your like, like, I think you could slot in a Jedi for maybe any one of them, but it's also one of those things where, like, unless you've got a party of kind of, like, you know, like, a, like a party of, pa- like, no one wants a party of paladins unless you're very specifically going for that. So, there's only, like, one guy who plays the Jedi in, in that kind of way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in kind of, like, these, 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 uh, in any kind of sci-fi setting, you have less reliance on magic to do, like, the healer part, right? Like, healers, I feel like in most of these games, they could be a Jedi, but I think a lot of them are, like, medics, which are, you know, the medic might be, like, could be a soldier, but they're probably a former soldier, and they're working with right. this crew as a smuggler, right? Like, like I feel like even the Jedi in the situation are smugglers. They're just kind of pretend they're above it and, like, are, are mystical, um, yeah, I mean, also, there just weren't great mechanics for healing in the first place because yeah. uh, of the way that that game systemized hit points. Because um, you had you had actually two, and this is actually, by the way, one of my favorite HP systems. You had a number of wounds equal to your constitution, right? And then a number of vitality equal to whatever your normal HP would be. Um, and vitality is kind of systemized out as... Um, you know, this is where you dodge blaster fire. This is where you turn, right, like a life-ending strike into, uh, you know, like a graze or something like that, right? Like you expend vitality in order to do that stuff. And so the the kind of RP around the vitality pool is such that it's just kind of your own, um, like, 
like luck and energy that you can exert to defending yourself, right? Like at the end of every day, you recover all of your vitality uh, just straight up. There's no like gradual tick up of HP or anything like that. But if you ever got crit, if you ever got crit, it would bypass your vitality and go straight to your wounds, right? And if you are a guy with a low constitution, right, it is entirely possible that all of your wounds get depleted. And then once your wounds are down to zero, right, that's when you start bleeding out kind of uh, to negative, you know, to your negative con modifier uh, as normal. Um, and that system doesn't really allow for a good healer because the healer would kind of almost be... Like, the only way you can kind of get around that is with, like, an inspirational leader kind of healer that just says good job and gets your vitality back up sort of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, like, the way to recover wounds uh, was the only thing that was systemized, and all of that were, uh, you know, like, items, right? Like, back to tanks, right, as kind of an extreme example, but... Uh, there were plenty of other, you know, like smaller things that were essentially health pots, but they didn't, re if, if I'm remembering correctly, they didn't replenish your vitality much. They replenished your wounds, I guess. Um, and so, I don't know, I wonder what that looks like. Because, uh, you know, part of me thinks that you could do the kind of StarCraft version of like a medic, right? Oh, shoot a healer beam at the person and they get healed, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I feel I feel like especially for D twenty systems, combat healing is always kind of a a a, 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 a weird premise. It's always kind mm -hmm. of like a thing that you do every once in a while if you need to. But mostly you're better off trying to to kill the enemies and and deal with healing later. Like that, that's yeah. even true into Pathfinder. I think we've talked about that before. Um, Death is the best CC. Yeah, um, you know, best, best defense is a good offense. But but kind of like rolling back to this core topic of like the the fantasy of these games. I, I think. It's kind of, like, as I'm turning this over my head, I think the other part of this is that, like, I think it's much harder to have a party that's mostly Jedi with, like, one smuggler than it is to have a party of, like, mostly smugglers with one Jedi. That's true. The other thing is that it's it was incredibly tough to play a Jedi in that system because Jedi needed literally every uh, ability score yeah. in order to function well, right? I, I think... You I think weren't Go on, sorry. Well, so, like, you know, um, in that system, uh, all of the force abilities are tied to your mental components, but, like, using a lightsaber effectively and everything like that is very much tied to uh, strength, wisdom, or strength, dex, right? And then, um, as a Jedi, you used vitality points in order to fuel your Jedi abilities. Uh, so you were actually sacrificing your HP in order to use whatever, you know, like whatever um, force ability that, that you kind of wanted. And so it was something that was always tough to play because you, you always had downsides to kind of everything, right? Like, you couldn't use force ability, you know, like, you couldn't use the really good force abilities um, because you didn't have a high enough wisdom or a high enough charisma or whatever, or, you know, you weren't very good with your lightsaber because you couldn't put the points into strength in order to, you know, hit with it. Uh, and, you know, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think this kind of speaks to kind of kind of the, the inherent, like, the inherent difficulty with, with the setting, right? Like... I think it's. I think this the, the setting is kind of hard to do right. Um, well, I, so first of so let, let me map this out in a couple couple ways. I think that like when you see Fantasy Flight, they did they did smugglers, then they did troopers, and then they did Jedi last. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all like I think it's essentially much easier to balance the game around your smugglers 
and I think that doing Jedi is tricky because kind of in the universe, Jedi are supposed to kind of be better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a no go in like a in a in a in a, fan, in a fantasy world. And I no, think, yeah, I'm super with you on that. Um, and it's 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 hard to do that right. And it, I think in some cases, like you said, you end up giving making them very multi attribute uh, dependent. Um, I think it's just kind of hard to put people on like to keep everybody on the level um with 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 Jedi as they are and I, I think I think a yeah. lot of that is is kind of introducing this complexity which I also think kind of causes people to shy away from it unless you're like really dedicated to it especially also from the for the Jedi just for this system because you couldn't even do the kind of master padawan thing we tried to do this one game, but in game it is systemized that when you hit level seven as a Jedi, that's when you take your knight trials and you become a Jedi knight, right? And you can take on a Padawan to become a Jedi master, essentially. Um, so if you want to be a master, the game forces you to be level seven or higher. And so if you want to be a master Padawan duo, everybody starts the game at level one, but then all of a sudden you have this level seven guy rolling around with his lightsaber. And, me, and we were kids and we didn't really understand the game balance or the game design. Uh, and, we're very, and we were also very much theater kids, right? So it wasn't something that really like was bothersome, but like looking back on it now, like holy shit, right? Like being in a party that misleveled was just insane. Uh, yeah, and kind of... And, and, just even from base story elements, having those types of things tied so closely to uh, to mechanics, it's like you know, what if you wanted to be like a Jedi that survived the purge, right? Like yep. you were a you know a a Padawan that like you know at level one, right? Like you were a Padawan that survived the purge. That like, oh yeah, dude, you can't get Jedi training after that. That's in the rules. You cannot get Jedi training after like if you you know like after the purge or whatever. After so six. Yeah, but so the, okay. So the other thing I want to mention is that the game was very highly multi-class oriented, right? Uh, okay. It was very much like three five and not like Pathfinder in that instance, right? Most of the you know one of the actually the coolest things about the game, and to be honest, the thing that I think of as being a testament to how accurate it was, uh, if, if not necessarily like good or whatever, is that they had systemized out what everyone's, like all of the people in, in the movies and everything, right? Like, this is what Mace Windu is. You know, this is what Obi-Wan Kenobi is. These are the feats that Obi-Wan Kenobi has. And it culminated actually incredibly interestingly um, because... Uh, in on Wizards of the Coast at the time, there was a column, and the column was essentially just one guy, like one rules guru, and people would pose him questions from Star Wars lore, like, hey, how does this make sense by the rules of the game? And he was, I swear to God, he bat a thousand, right? There was never a time when he just kind of copped out and was like, you know what, man, like, this is just a system... Right, it isn't actually trying to accommodate, you know, like accommodate the movies or anything like that. He never gave that up. He always had like some. He pulled some esoteric rule out of nowhere, right? Like the part in Revenge of the Sith where where Anakin does his flip over Obi Wan. Obi Wan has he's like Obi Wan has combat reflexes. He's got a Dex of seventeen, so he can make all of these, you know, uh, so he can make all these attacks of opportunity. When you make a when you make a critical strike with a 
uh, with a lightsaber, you then roll to you then roll to confirm your confirmed crit as a slicing off of limbs, right? And he's just like, yeah, he just got like fantastic rolls and sliced. Uh, it got three crits on his, you know, on his lightsaber when Anakin was flipping over him and provoking all of these AOOs. Um, and it was just like, holy shit, right? Like the rules were just that, you know, yeah. that comprehensive. Yeah. There's, there's um, a feat called high ground. Makes yeah, <laughs> it was, you know, there was like part, you know, like the part where Emperor Palpatine, right, gets, uh, like he gets his force lightning ricocheted back into himself and they, and they had included this, by the way, it's not like they even had access to Revenge of the Sith at the time, this was all just like essentially bullshit, but there was a dark side like source book or whatever, uh, and in the dark side source book they have alchemy like craft sith alchemy as as a move and he was essentially like yeah like emperor palpatine had really fucked himself up by the dark side right and so uh he was using alchemical treatments in order to not be super shitty and ugly and the fucking uh the force lightning interacted poorly with those treatments and fucked up his face and it's just like crazy you know like crazy minutia about that stuff like that and so it's crazy to me when when people are talking about the system in those kinds of terms right accuracy to the world accuracy to the universe we're all nerds we love our continuity um and yet the the kind of imagination for what the different things that you can do is kind of low on the opposite on the opposite end even as i kind of say that i also think that the smuggler archetype allows you to engage with much more of the universe and the game because you can actually do the smuggler archetype kind of whenever like you can even do it during the republic the republic era because there's still hut space you know what i mean there's still the outer rim worlds which are you know essentially lawless uh at that point in the republic's history and everything like that um and it allows you to go anywhere you know like to all the all the different planets right you can go to tatooine you can go to uh you know anywhere else right they had this huge source book that was great called geonosis and the outer worlds and it just what just made just a million it's just a full source book of all of these cool unique places that you could go to if you really wanted to um yeah so, so i feel like part of this is is i have to imagine that when this when the, when these star wars games get designed it's not like when pathfinder gets designed it gets designed from like basic fantasy out i mm. feel like a lot of these star wars games must be designed from like so we have our han solo and we have our luke skywalker and we have or like Obi Wan Kenobi, and then you reverse build them in. You, you make sure that you build them into the game and kind of generalize the rules out from there. Yeah, like because you you have to right like you, you a Star Wars game that came out that you couldn't accurately put Luke Skywalker in wouldn't be a Star Wars game worth playing. Like, yeah. uh, like straight up, like I, I feel like that's the first thing people would try and do is mm. is is build the movie characters, and you know maybe you can get, you know maybe if you can't build decks, um in the system it's okay but if you can't build any of like the major characters like it's 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 got to be a no-go for these types of games um yeah, yeah if you want to if you were to play a star wars like if we were if we were playing a star wars game right do you think that the, that that would be the kind of structure that you would want to use in order to run one like you've talked about running a custom game right after you're finished with uh i guess wrath of the righteous um if, if it just so happened that the players wanted to play Star Wars, right, do you think that you would structure it along the lines of kind of smugglers in space? Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I'd ask what the, the players wanted to do. But if, if, if I had to, yeah, I, th I think kind of like essentially space adventures with smugglers makes makes the most sense. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I think I think I could I think I could do like you know pod of Jedi doing Jedi business right like I think that's also highly compelling but I don't see a lot of other kind of compelling story like I also think you could do like regiment of clone troopers but I think that's a very specific type of game um and that's like everybody's clone troopers and maybe you have like a medic and like a heavy weapons gunner and like you know like a scout or something in there and that's how you get your variety there but that's a very specific type of thing um I guess maybe that that's kind of why Edge of the Empire, or, you know, the, the Fantasy Flight games broke up the way it did into um, into smugglers, troops, and Jedi as three separate things. I, I think they do all compartmentalize well, and I think that, like, throwing in elements from the outside, I don't know. I think... I don't know. I, I think maybe this is why I liked Rogue One so much. Because Rogue One is essentially every <laughs> one of these games, right? Like, you've got, like, the token yeah. force user and, like, a, a hodgepodge of a hodgepodge of other smuggler, you know, scoundrel types doing their thing with, like, a, tro- a heavy trooper, you know. You've got the token heavy trooper and the token, uh, and the force, token user. force user and and the token droid because, you know, like, that, that that's what I think is kind of, like, the, the, the grand kind of idea for your Star Wars game. You've got the, you've got that guy and he plays... Uh, you know, you've got you've got the, the the high and mighty asshole, and he plays the Jedi. You've got the weird guy, and he plays the droid. And the other two people play smugglers because they're cool. Um, I have yet to find a good version that systemizes droids very well. Um, the 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 D twenty version, you're you didn't level up at all. You didn't gain experience points, um, but you could upgrade yourself, right? So your experience points was essentially your gold. Um, in that sense, like it was, you know. It was easy to give yourself extra base attack bonus or, you know, saves or whatever just by, like, installing modules or right. different, like, pieces uh, or whatever. And we actually had a guy that played that where he played, like, a retrofitted battle droid, a super battle droid, but that was all, like, teched out and everything like that. Um, but I think that that is a big part of the fantasy, and I really wonder, uh, like, if there is a good way to make that work without... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually so I haven't yet read the the full rules for um, Edge of the Empire. I think there might be rules for droids in there because I know that the the before the, the campaign was a podcast uh, when when it was like a series of adventures on their one shot campaign. Mm-hmm. I know they had a droid named D twenty, which I think is an awesome name for a droid. <laughs> um, but and I think there are rules for that. But I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I mean, droids, yeah, droids are really good and they're really cool, especially like astromech droids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like an astromech droid being able to plot your hyperdrive route kind of removes the necessity for somebody to get that really kind of niche skill, especially yeah. with, um, uh, you know, like the 3-5, you know, you get half for cross-class skills and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I forgot about that. That's Yeah, right? What a painful... Uh, I, I, just, oh. I think Pat... Good things Pathfinder did. That's definitely near near the top of that list. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like so. Okay, I think if I so I've actually run this this setup of smugglers, uh, you know, running around because I actually think that it's more universal than just Star Wars. For instance, I think Skull and Shackles is tapping into the precisely same thing, right? That you know, you, we have our ship. We're gonna go be chaotic neutral pirates. We're gonna upgrade our ship periodically. You know, doing doing smuggler things. All of the kind of tension that comes with it. But I think I almost like doing that stuff outside of the context of Star Wars more. Um, because I don't know how much I want to um, 
I, I, I guess I don't know how much that I want to get into the 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 nitty gritty details when it comes to kind of like huts and stuff like that. I think I'm almost a little bit more interested in the like uh, in the politics of Star Wars than I would be in the in like those kinds of underbelly right like wretched hive of scum and villainy version of Star Wars right like the version of Star Wars that gets shown in the clone tree. Do you know like the Clone Wars but like the like the two D animated cartoon? I haven't seen um, any of it. Sorry. Uh, well, it's great. And one of the things that happens is just like, you know, showing up at a, showing up at a world and right, like, oh, this is, this place is the bank of the Confederacy and we're offering them peace terms or, you know, Mace Windu shows up on Dantooine and it's this big bread basket, uh, and everything. I kind of feel like I'm more on board with that sort of thing than I would be, uh, like doing a kind of true, like true war story inside of the Clone Wars uh, than I would be uh, drawn to the kind of, like, smuggler aspect of it. Because I think you can do some of the same stuff, right? It's just that instead of you, tr you know, like, instead of the ambient tension of, like, you are constantly breaking the law in a harsh, draconian system... It's you are, you know, going out into the edges of space where there, where everything is lawless, right? You're kind of almost flipping that, uh, where you are a point of order and light in a universe of chaos and darkness, right? Um, and kind of hopping from world to world. And you could do that easily with a Jedi, right? Because this is the, exactly the role that the Jedi were taking at the time, right? You right. know, you have a Jedi, you have his, you know, you have his pilot friend from, uh, you know, you could get the exact same archetypes too. Uh, you know, like his pilot friend with a dark past, right? You know, like their, uh, their Senate envoy who's, you know, who's a diplomat. Oh, diplomat. I think that's actually what the class was called. I don't think it was called noble. Um, their Senate envoy who was, who's, you know, like the diplomat and, uh, uh, is coming to, to negotiate with these people and then you have to go into... I think there's a lot to be said about that kind of an archetype. Just like reframing it backwards to forwards in, it's, yeah, in some I ways. Yeah, that makes sense. To make that, to make that same thing uh, to make that same thing work. I, I think it just kind of depends on what, what you're going for, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it kind of like... I think I think both are compelling, right? Like, the, the, like yeah. I think every good smuggler story has to kind of have some tie to say the rebellion or something. It has to have some like sort of, it can't just be smuggling, right? It can't just be like, I work for the huts and today we're going to go hunting, right? Like, or we I feel like it has to be very chaotic. Good. More yeah. Than chaotic neutral. Um, uh, yeah. Or, which is weird that I feel that way because I agree with you. I, I, you know, I don't know. Cause I agree with you, but I would say the opposite for like pirates. You know what I mean? For like yeah. skulls and shackles, you have to be chaotic neutral. It's really tough to even to be chaotic good for pirates, uh, yeah. comparatively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I I think that's kind of why it works in Star Wars is because, like, you can kind of twist any sm any smuggler action that subverts the Empire can kind of be idealized as, as, as a political action rather than just a, a profitable action, right? Like, this, this is... Uh, to, to borrow a real world example, this is like pirating music as a political act rather than as, as an act of stealing music. Right, right, right. Um, which I think works really well in Star Wars. And I, I think you can get those kind of same draws out of it, but I do agree with you. I think I think what you're talking about 
could be super interesting too. I, I think it hits, a, hits on a lot of the that, same things. To me, that one's doing the opposite. That's when you are rooting yourself in kind of lawful good and running into chaotic. Well, I, I you know I, what I mean, like chaotic I, neutral space. Right? I think if you if you field kind of the same like if you if you I, I think it depends on, like because when, when you talk about this, I, I'm thinking what is, the party's like the diplomat, the Jedi bodyguard. The pilot and uh, the other guy, because or, you know, maybe the droid, just just to kind of like round out that party, um, mm. and like, I think you can kind of put both of those parties in both of those situations. This is, you know, this is and and like, and the the tone is different, but I think it still works, right? Like, you know, one's trying to go gather support for the Empire while delivering a set of some smuggled goods, which may or, which may be, you know of value to the rebellion or just be illicit drugs. The other one's kind of on a diplomatic mission from the Republic. I think the personalities all kind of like play and serve the same role in that place. But and I, I think they both work though in, in kind of the same, just with okay. different filters yeah. on it. So do you think a version of a Star Wars game works when the game takes place primarily in on one world? So, huh. Because I think part of this, I think part of the, what the reason is because a starship is almost necessary. Yeah, right? I, I, I think you could do it. I just don't think it'd be great, right? Like, I, I, I feel like you're, 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 you're missing half of Star Wars if you don't have Star, right? Like, it's, like, I, I, I think you, I think you could make a compelling game out of it. I think you could make a compelling hmm. I don't know I, I to be honest I think it's almost an endemic problem to Star Wars itself because Star Wars tends to be kind of like topography the planet yeah right? yeah, yeah I was gonna you say you know what that, I mean like yeah. if I wanted to be if I wanted to be you know like okay let's say I want to run a kind of chaotic evil uh, breaking bad you know I'm gonna corner the spice trade right like I'm gonna make the best Glitter sticks, know, spice, Glitter. yeah, yeah, what, you, whatever sticks. it is. You want some glow um, sticks? Yeah, and in, <laughs> and in, uh, and so you know, you're you, 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 the whole, the you know, the whole game takes place where you are taking over, slowly taking you and your crime empire are slowly taking over Tatooine from the huts or something like that, right? Um, but it's like because everything is desert in Tatooine, it's almost a little bit like what you you can't. Even you can't even get like the same kind of changes that happen inside of a D and D game uh, on a typical basis. Yes. Yeah, I, I, it's it, like in D and D games, you like you can go to the frigid north. You can like get out of the city, but in Star in the Star Wars, I universe, mean, even in even in Ravenel, right? You guys have the city, right? Ravenel Forest in the west, the mountains in the yeah. south. The the coastline, Asakazi, right? You know what I mean. Uh, the the uh, the the islands uh, and everything, and and um, all of those are different places. But like, and what's the real difference between Mos Eisley and Mos Espa? Right. Well, I'm the the, the you go to different areas in D and D. In Star Wars, you go off planet and you go to a different planet. Yeah. You, if you want a bustling city, you go to Coruscant. Um, if you want like like it, it's 
it lends it lends itself to being able to be like like kind of more directly diverse, right? Like you can jump from tattooing mm. to Hoth kind of immediately, but like just kind of the the, the fact that like you said in in universe every, every every planet has exactly one climate, which is you know kind of ludicrous from a real world perspective, but like you know like you know you go to Kashuk for forests, you go to Tatooine for deserts, and you go to uh, I don't know, and you go to Coruscant for cities and and and. Because, like, I think you're right. Because of that, you kind of have to, you you have to have the star spell. And also, I th I feel like you're just cutting out so much, unless you're telling a story specifically. Like, I I feel like no nothing interesting is self-contained on a planet anyway, right? Like, mm -hmm. like e even if you're trying to be like the smuggling lord of tattooing, you still have to like make you have to smuggle things in from somewhere, and it's not going to be like the sand people. Um, so, so I mean, would you, you know, like, if I were to play devil's advocate to this idea almost and say that, like, a version of this where you are the smuggling lord on Tatooine and it's very much rooted on Tatooine, but you go out and, you know, like, you go out and you do the Kessel Run or what you know, like, you know, you you do some incredibly important shipment where you have to take over the ship and you do the Kessel Run. A little bit of what we're doing almost in Hell's Rebels, right? Where, like, yeah. we, you know, we spent a while in Kintargo and now we're breaking out and kind of doing stuff outside of the city. Um, do you think, like, that that's the version of this game that works? I, I think so. I think, I think that okay. certainly works better. So, the follow-up to this question is, if that's the version of this game that works, how much do you think that you have to engage with the Starship rules in order to make it work? Could you have a, could you have kind of like a global, so here's, I, I think I, I'm kind of like coalescing some of these thoughts as we're talking about it, but like the structure of the hub world is my starship and all of the missions are the planets that we're moving to, right, kind of thing. But could you move that hub world to being Tatooine or Coruscant or kind of whatever else and instead of systemizing you know, like the the starship, and you're moving around on your starship between between jobs, kind of right, and that you know the Serenity is your home, um, sort of thing. You, uh, your home is a, a manor on Naboo, or you know whatever it is, right? Like your compound on Tatooine, sort of thing, and you just kind of hand wave the starships and say, oh well, I own this starship, but we just get from here to there without any trouble. You know what I mean? Sure, I need to go to Ariadu to... Which, by the way, is like one of my favorite planets ever, if you know what Ariadu is. I, um, I do not, actually. Enough Ariadu is like dark... Uh, uh, is like dark Coruscant, almost? It's the home of Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. And um, and it's kind of like Coruscant, like it's all in, in like city, but it's all like industrial. The whole thing is like a giant industrial park, kind of. Um, which is... What I, which is what I love about it. Um, but so, you know, if I have to go to Ariadu to, you know, to re-up my Empire licenses or whatever and get, you know, uh, and get involved in something, you know, and get, and get like, oh, the, the governor is making me take care of some, you know, saboteurs who are in a factory, so, you know, like any of that kind of stuff. I feel like you could make that sort of thing work. Do you agree with that? I, I feel like there needs to be, like, like I, I don't think, like, space flight can just be totally waved away. Um, like, I don't think you could just be, like, and space flight never has any complications ever. Okay. Um, I just feel like that, that would that would feel weird. Um, so do you think, like, random encounters I don't know sort if, of thing? I don't know if... 
just in the sense of like because you you know when you when you plot a when you plot a hyperspace course right. right it's a it's a it's a jagged line right right you're kind of ping ponging around uh it's perfectly plausible that a bunch of you know raiders or there's a there's an imperial checkpoint right, right. yeah so, so, something, so, something, something like that like i think something like that needs to happen maybe you don't need to hardcore engage with the spaceship rules are you asking these questions uh, uh, because, like, I, I think this is kind of a problem with, with space games in general. There's, like, this, this kind of d- divorce between, like, what happens on planet and what happens in space. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, that is a little bit of something that, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, that I'm thinking about. Um, and I'm also kind of realizing that even though I think this problem is localized to Star Wars, this kind of genre of structure is not. It is... Pirates of the Caribbean. It is, uh, you know, even even in ways, it's kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, any anywhere where the kind of the the like like the caravan kind of games, right? Yeah. Um, these are all tapping into the same kind of thing, where your home is your transportation. And that kind of wander, you know, like the the wild westness of that, uh, the Oregon Trailness of that, I think is something that's just kind of almost like primal from a story perspective. People yeah. can really get, you know, people can really get into it. Um, oh, and I even think that's and, true for most fantasy games, even right, like 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 Hell's Rebels. You're you're like is kind of an exception. I think I think most games end up taking you. Uh, around even if you have like a home and name right like like in in uh yeah, yeah. in rune lords we went back we like standpoint was our home but we, went, we didn't go back super frequently or anything yeah definitely um and i don't know how much i think you know i actually kind of almost like the being rooted in one place that hell's rebels brings like i think the kind of uh like like rooting yourself in one location and kind of spreading out and getting your variety as necessary right and i really think it's something by the way that you have to do your homework on right i think that kintargo would be less compelling a place i mean to be honest i think kintargo would be less compelling a place if i just ran it as written um but you know like if the if like the kind of different threats to the city and the different things that you have to tackle in order to figure out stuff uh weren't so varied you know what i mean and so if you're rooting everything in one position right you can just have you can just you can just you know if your if your story is mobile and your party is mobile um, you can just move to a new place and the stuff in that place that the heroes now have to contend with is now is is not something that they've ever had to see before. But if you are rooted in one place, you kind of necessarily have to foreshadow it, right? You can't have a rooted in one place story and then have threats keep popping up that are seemingly out of nowhere because the you know it does it just doesn't make sense in a way that like, I don't know. I feel like there just has to be almost like a history to it, right? Because things are more static than that. If you are choosing to make your party static and you are choosing to root your party in one place, you can't really move the monsters, like the variety and monsters that they would normally see around that. You have to, you have to, like you can, you can foreshadow it. You know what I mean? Like you, they don't have to face off against, right? You guys don't have to face off against Kolkari Blackbloods until way later, right? But you kind of have to show the, 
you kind of have to show the work because those Kolkari black buds were there, you know. Yeah, if I, that see, makes I, sense. I see what you're saying. Um, and so I think it just demands a little bit more work, almost. Um, I also I I think you can get around that, like you know, like while you were talking about this, I was thinking kind of about like this example you gave of like the the diplomat, right? Like the, the diplomat and his kind of uh, uh, attaché. And I think you could make a compelling kind of open-ended campaign with without necessarily a like a, a, a you know like an over a known overarching storyline to it out of like you know you, you know character the, the, the there's a character who's a diplomat and like he's got he's got his team and like the campaign is kind of like a series of arcs of the missions he goes on some of them and you know maybe it's based out of Coruscant and you know some of them are on planet some of them are like dealing with local things or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But you can kind of run, like, an endless campaign out of that, of just, like, things that that guy needs to do until you decide that, like, until, you, until you know, the DM decides he wants to pick up some common threads and turn it into something. Um, I think that's also a very different type of game. I, I don't know if that's, like, I, I, I think that's a hard type of game to run, too, right? Like, I, I think, run, like, I, I think there's a sort of art to that, um, but I've definitely, like, I, I think that's also kind of what you think of when you think of kind of, like, the... The prototypical adventuring party in, in all genres, almost right. Like you, you're a party. You do things, and gradually the stakes get larger. Um, and for a long time, the kind of the kind of background threat isn't doesn't make its face known. Um, and then, like you, kind of put the pieces together. And I feel like you can, if you can, do all of your adventures and kind of backport the things, right? Like, no, let's say your first couple of adventures. Um, and, like, they don't seem to have any thread to them, and then, like, you start building towards, like, an, an overarching thread, and you just backport, like, ah, well, the big bad was actually behind what happened on your first planet, even though there was no mm-hmm. evidence of that or whatever. You just kind of say, like, he funded it or whatever. It was his... Something like that. Um, I think I think that's coming I think it's Star Wars, right? Like, if you're doing missions to other planets, you can have as much freaking variety as you want. You know, right. You want Wampas, you have to go do something on Hoth. Um... Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I also you know I also don't know what kind of cross pollinate like because I I almost think that interacting too closely with Hoth or Tatooine or uh, you know Endor right you know Coruscant kind of gets a pass on it because it is such like a busy hub almost but like I don't know I don't know how I feel about. Uh, setting stuff there. There's an instinct in me that says I would much rather use more unique planets than planets people have seen already. And I and I wonder, you know what I mean? Like, if I go to another snow planet, are there wampas there? Yeah, I, you know what I mean? Like, what's the is the ecology the same? I don't know. I, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of like medium planets, like like not a Tatooine or a Hoth, but like. A Kashik or a Mandalore, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that I I one hundred percent agree with that because there's there's enough familiarity there for there to be an instant attachment, but enough not known there that you can kind of build things that you want out. Oh yeah, like Mustafar. Oof, yeah, yeah. I'd love to just like, um, or even Geonosis. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Even Geonosis would be a lot of fun. Um, Actually, we did. To be honest, we did a we did a whole thing on Geonosis in this game I was talking about, which was set by the way, like after, like way after the rebellion and everything like that. Um, where I think like the Geonosians had gone extinct or something. It was it was this whole thing. It was like a droid planet. The droids in the the battle droids took over uh, and started creating themselves and basically made a like a. Uh, 
like Nazi Germany, but for droids. It's the, it is the very stereotypical, right? Like no humans allowed. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like droid haven. And we had to go, like, sabotage the droid factory so that they couldn't keep making more of themselves and then declare war on the rest of the galaxy. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think this also kind of touches on another kind of uh, Star Wars problem. And I, I think this is a problem with kind of every... Like, you get this with Star Trek or even with, like, I don't know, like... Uh, like, any type of... Nerdy- World of Warcraft? Uh, yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's because, like, 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 like when we were, I, I think I know where you're going with it, but like when we were talking about it sort of thing, it's essentially like, because the world is so known, like it, it almost like, you know, I, I was, I was talking to my friend, one of my other friends who, who plays DD about, about a Star Wars game. He's like, it's like, he's, he likes Star Wars, but he's not like super into it. And I don't think you could ever DM a Star Wars game for a bunch of Star Wars nerds, right? Like, the DM kind of has to be one of the, if not the foremost Star Wars nerd at the table. Because, like, a a lot of the attraction of the system is the familiarity of the universe. And so you kind of have to embrace that, right? Like, you kind of, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you can't just, like, whereas, like, Pathfinder or, or any kind of these generic fantasy worlds give you the license to kind of make some stuff up on the fly... You can make some stuff up on the fly in Star Wars, but you can't like you can't just like. Oh my God! You do you, you'll get lore lawyers who yeah. are like that's not how the back to take works. <laughs> like right. you know what and, I mean? And, and, and yeah, and like you know, yeah, that, that's kind of like yeah, yeah, you you douche nozzle. But like the, the, like the other half of that is that that's kind of why you're playing the game, right? Is because no, no, definitely. I think that's actually like super real because like if you think about it. I, I think I just think the way that we we interface with the system is differently. You know what I mean? It's like walking into Lord of the Rings and being like, okay, well, I'm gonna cast a fireball. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me that like you know, it's funny that Lord of the Rings is such a basis for all of this stuff because I actually find it very low fantasy on a on a like an individual's basis, you know what I mean? There's only five wizards. They are essentially immortal godlike beings, yeah. you know, like for you know, you know, you can't just like train to be a fucking wizard. How do you make Lord of the Rings online in that, you know, uh, I, I, in that context? I, I remember when that game was first coming out, the the thing that they said in an interview is that like one of the classes was lore masters, and they're not technically wizards, but it's essentially like Technology is indistinct from magic, kind oh of, my God. and yes. that, that's kind of how they decided to get around it. Yeah, but like, I think it's just one of those things where, like, you know, all like the the early versions of D anD D were also much lower fantasy, right? Like, th- this is kind of why th- there's a couple different things here, but this is why like the wizards always end up being more powerful than the fighters. Um, there was there were some other components to that too, but like. The, the game started out with very few magical characters and, and the way you kind of limited the, their their kind of uh, outwardness is like, you're like, well, magic's not really trusted because there's like three people who can do magic. If they can turn you into a sheep, they're going to look at you suspiciously. Um, and like, I think the, the kind of desire for, for more of that kind of pushed the games into higher and higher levels of fantasy to get, what is it, like Raven or Eberron, which is like yeah. techno-magical almost. Mm-hmm. Um and like, I, I I think I think you can kind of trace this all kind of through things. Like I think the effects of that are essentially like again you you, you cannot have a game where the uh, 
you can have a game where like pe where characters aren't equal because the or rather it is harder to do that I, I, I think with the right I think with theater kids you can do it easier right like you can mm -hmm. like you could have your your, your misbalanced like party but it, with, with with people who enjoy crunch which you know there's nothing wrong with that having things severely unbalanced just just is is a non-starter um yeah i definitely think that that's and and it's and it's uh yeah i actually think that in a way star wars gets around it almost by being so built on a foundation of world building yeah right like this is kind of one of the things that a little bit bothered me almost about the force awakens and we talked about this in our force awakens review of the kind of familiarity that came with uh the force awakens where it didn't really feel like i was going to like new exotic locations right i wasn't going to naboo or mustafar or seeing coruscant for the first time right um i was going to jakku which is basically just tatooine yeah not tatooine and then, yeah and then going to not hoth and then getting trapped in the not death star you know what i mean like yeah. um and i think that you get out of the that problem almost a little bit by you know, having your characters be uh, looking for the same feeling that that describes, right? So, like, like maybe there's a version of, you know, like, maybe I'm not giving enough credit, I guess, to characters. And that, like, characters just by their nature want to go to, you know, wherever it is, right? Like... You know, Ariadu, right? With some some crazy niche planet, or some planet that you just made the fuck up, right? Right. Um, and that is okay. Just and that might be like I don't know. That might be unique to Star Wars because I think Star Wars there is a lot. There's like a lot to be said for oh, the kind of like. I think that's an interesting question, right? Like, just kind of go back to that. Like, do you make a planet up or do you go like? Like search for like a planet with a little definition and give it so like. Oh man, yeah, that is a good question. I don't know. My initial answer is you go and search a planet up, but yeah, it's a tough thing to kind of ask people to do to a certain extent. And I also wonder what's the return on that investment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it just feels like one of those things where it's like, if you make up a planet and like somebody and and, and you you know when you're you know, I, I feel like you want to be able to like look up everything on wikipedia and like just like even if it's just like a sentence that's like this is a forest planet and that's it right i feel like you want to be able to do that you know like in, in in this kind of game um oh man because you know what to be honest though like it is it's kind of you're fucked either way yeah because okay so here's the thing right okay you make up a planet right now you know like the person the star wars nerd in your group knows that there's a planet just like that that you didn't use. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But if you take a planet, like an ill-defined planet, and and bring it to life with your own kind of, like, details and positive and everything else, and that person has a different kind of read on that planet or than you do, now you're running into the problem of, well, you land in Dantween or whatever, and the person thinks, oh, I, I know all about this, but you are, but because you're kind of filling in a lot of these blanks and making it into something your own, that person is now, you know, kind of assuming, yeah. presupposing bad shit. Or, or God um, forbid that while you're running your game, some official source comes out and gives the planet more definition. Yeah, oh God, right? Oh my God. Yeah, that would, yeah. That would fuck me up, dude. 
Yeah, like I'm like, like I'm I'm listening to campaign right now, and the thing that jumps into that is they stole the plans for the like they were the guys that did the Death Star thing, and like mm. where I'm at the podcast, like Rogue One hasn't been announced yet, but like you know, obviously they're <laughs> gonna have to deal with that at some point. Um, like, damn that 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 is a oh man. I feel, I feel like the right way to do that is like maybe like find a system and like make a planet in a known system. Or something, or like a moon, right? Like, there's a moon around, like, some no-name planet in some, like, known system, and maybe that gets you, like, left uh, pieces out. I don't know. <sighs> I, I, think I don't know, dude. I, yeah, I, there's... It is... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it's weird, because, like, I'm, I'm thinking about this, right? Like... I, I, I generally run into, there's, like, two types of games that, that get played, right? Like, there's, like, you know, games that are in, in, in like, established worlds that kind of fit to the established knowledge. Um, and I'm talking about, like, Pathfinder and games that are kind of, like, like in, in, like, an invented world. And you can't do Star Wars in an invented world, right? Like, you can't mm. just make up a new galaxy and do Star Wars because then why, you, like, you might as, there is, you can do any system with that and like doing it in Star Wars just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, and so in kind of like this, but th this side of it is like in, in uh when you do it in established world, usually the established world has like enough definition to it that you don't have to like worry about those kinds of things. This is also kind of like a consequence of it being like a relatively high technology thing, right? Like you could make mm -hmm. like a, a f of like a, like a, a small forest or something somewhere in an established world and not have, have a lot of impact or like a cops, you know, like a, like a clearing in that forest and not, it's not like it's going to shit in anybody's bed, but like the, the, the moment, like you kind of like start screwing with, with, with a star Wars. Well, I guess you could do like, you know, like the other city on Tatooine, right? Like not Mos Espar. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of what we wanted. Uh, when, so when we played, this is why we played after the rebellion and after the, you know, like the 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 Clone Wars era. You know what I mean? It's really get away from all that stuff, um, and uh, and you know, there's still Jedi, there's still Sith. Most of the planets' characters are relatively similar, but like we're not kind of dealing with like President Leia Skywalker did this stuff. You know what I mean? Like you know, like that's something that I kind of feel a little weird about. On the flip side of it though, I actually think that if you kind of just prep your players for that perspective of things and just kind of saying like, "Listen, I love Star Wars. I love the Star Wars universe. I'm about to go fucking ape shit on it." Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe you could actually get something awesome out of that, right? Like uh or even like an alternate, you know, like the alternate history where, you know, Luke Skywalker doesn't go to find Obi-Wan Kenobi and gets burned to a crisp with you know, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think you like, kind of have yeah. to like set that as like we're gonna do an alternate universe thing. Like yeah. I've seen, yeah. like uh, I think Dark Horse did a series where like, um, they failed to blow up the first Death Star, and it ends with like Yoda crashing a star destroyer into Coruscant or something, or like into oh the, my god something like that. That's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and to be honest though, in that in that sense, I would love to do th then i would go nuts on the continuity you know what i mean yeah, yeah you'd go to fucking dagobah and meet yoda let's see what yoda looks like you know like like in in this you know this version of yoda right yeah. like this version of of uh obi-wan kind of thing um yeah. uh man i was actually gonna pick a pitch a quick campaign 
but I fucked it up uh, because we started talking about things. So, so I, I have a thing I, I kind of want to uh, talk to you about because I was I was thinking over this kind of like, you, you know, you were talking about the Old Republic versus the, uh, you know, Old Republic um, rooted in kind of the filter of, of, of law bringing to a dark place and then versus a smuggler idea. Um, something that occurs to me is I think that your your kind of campaign, your dip, your your uh, your your kind of like um, like law law in a lawless place campaign, kind of has to take place in the outer rim. Like like the adventures have to go into the outer mm-hmm. rim, or maybe like the seedy underbelly of Coruscant. I think like the inner and mid rim are way too already incorporated for that to be much. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the case uh, because. Uh... I mean, the whole premise, essentially, of the Clone Worlds, the Clone Wars and the Separatists is that it's all of these outer rim worlds that are uh, joining up with the Confederacy. Right. Um, And so I think that's so I think that's where it works. The pitch I had. This is this is the Star Wars game I think I would love to run. And it's funny because I think I would love to run it in a kind of back to back, almost like a flip side of like what we're talking about it's uh you run the first bit in the old in the in the republic era right probably not even in the clone wars even to be honest like you run it and you're doing uh, you know like you're so you're running the game you're doing jedi you know like you're doing jedi stuff you're doing republic stuff you're 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 going out of the outer rim into hut space and everything like that like the clone wars are definitely on the horizon you know what i mean right but like it's not something that you're dealing with in an explicit sense and then everybody gets carbon uh gets frozen in carbonite and gets woken up like you know 30 years later you know what i mean mm. out of out of the carbonite and all of a sudden it's the fucking empire um, I think that, and then you do the opposite, right? Like, do they join the rebellion? Do they become, you know, like kind of inquisitors in the empire sort of thing? Uh, and, uh, you know, like now, so you, you can flip it, right? Like you can go from kind of like, oh, diplomat going on dangerous diplomat missions to, right, uh, smuggler, right? Yeah. You know, fighting back against the, the, you know, the former power struggle. But what I love about that premise is the ability to kind of uh, is like set things up for long term payoffs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it would be like like it would be super cool to go to planet A. You know, to go to Ariadu, right? Which I think was like forests or something, but then it got all deforested and then industrialized or whatever. And then like going back there thirty years later and kind of seeing what stuff like that, uh, like yeah. that looks like. I think that would be a really awesome campaign. I feel like if I were to run a, a Star Wars campaign, it would have structure like that. Yeah, in mind. I, I feel like every. I feel like you'd ha- you'd have to like. I feel like there's there's, you know, obviously you were just kind of throwing out frozen and carbon. If I think something like that could be cool, like um. One of the, one of the characters in campaign was is a clone trooper who defied Order sixty six, which is why he's now kind of a, a smuggler. Uh, I think that's like a like the a, the game like the campaign all takes pet place post that. I think it's a very mm-hmm. compelling like character arc and having all those things kind of in there. Um, I think the only the only thing there is that like it means that like, uh, everybody's kind of old, <laughs> um, in 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 the uh. Yeah, it, does carbonite does carbonite age you? Oh, I, I, kind of I, I guess it was. I kind of assumed it was like cryogenic freezing. Oh, I, I guess you know what I mean. I guess that makes sense. I, don't, I have no idea. I, I feel like I feel like you could do it. I feel like you want you don't want just everybody in carbonite. I feel like you want like you know like maybe one guy's in carbonite, maybe one guy's playing somebody's son, oh, one guy's a Jedi in hiding great. or something like that. That would be like you play like like the Padawan is now like 
the Obi-Wan of the group because he's the one that didn't get Carbonite frozen and like yeah. somebody is playing as like the dead son of that would actually be awesome. Yeah. I you know, like I was thinking about that, you know, just in general, I think kind of futzing with time stuff is pretty cool in D D and I want and I kind of would like to see more of it. Uh but um Yeah Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's 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 awesome. Yeah. I man. I I think I think it works particularly well for Star Wars because you have this just kind of like literally world changing event that you can all like, you know, I I'd be lying if I you know like I I I haven't committed any fan fiction to paper, but I wouldn't be lying if I like made hadn't made up stories in my head about the Jedi that I'm you know the the Jedi that I made up that's me that survived Order sixty six somehow right like that I think that's kind of like a thing that you can easily get people to, to, to buy into, right? Like, mm. like, like, like living on both sides of that transition. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I also think for instance, I mean, not that I'm, not that I'm trying to steal the, uh, the thunder of this clone trooper who defied order 66, but even just that kind of thing, right? Like I played a, uh, do you know what arc troopers are? I'm sure you do. Yeah. They're the, they're like the art, the, the cl- they're the guys with like the blue and red stripes. Yeah. Instead yeah, 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 yeah. of Like the, yeah, they, and they have like more autonomy and they're basically special forces. Right. I played one of those, uh, I played one of those for one of our games and he, uh, he also disobeyed order 66 though. This was also kind of in the canon of if you ever played battlefront two, the arc troopers all kind of like had an insurrection on uh, on Camino, which is why the Empire started conscripting for stormtroopers rather than getting them cloned. Um, well, the Battlefront Two isn't out yet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Battlefront Two isn't canon anymore either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, right, but like yeah. you know, so yeah, like so I played this. I played this arc trooper named Omega, and he was the best, and I loved him. Um, Especially because I also love the idea that like clone bodies degrade uh, when they get kind of that far out, which is like kind of quasi in the lore. I actually think it's not in the lore anymore, but it was like a little bit in the lore at the time, and I was just like, "This is an awesome idea." Yeah, I, I mean the uh, like the, the way the character is being played, he ages he ages like super rapidly. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Um, and as and so as a result, he he is he he is a a. a avid user of least size so he doesn't have to sleep and he can like extend his lifespan by like a third effectively by never Oof. sleeping that's hardcore um um and then the last thing shit boy i was gonna say okay the last thing i want to talk about was a little bit about mechanics um do you think star wars necessitates a focus on ranged mechanics rather than melee mechanics as the default form of combat Honestly, I'm probably a little biased because I've been listening to this podcast, but I think that Star Wars wants a um, uh, Star Wars, Star Wars wants like a focus on like a, a focus on more generalized mechanics and like a kind of like like a a less crunchy combat system. Um, okay. Fair enough. Than uh, than than uh, than your typical game, but I, th- I think in the context of like a super crunchy system, I think yeah, you want rules that assume ranged combat with like the exception of lightsabers. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because I was wondering about that because it is something that I see conflicting answers on. I guess yeah. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I feel like because I think you also want like a separate system. Like I think. The traditional D and D system doesn't capture a lot of what makes 
Star Wars like super cool, right? Like like it, it's very hard to do a lightsaber duel mm-hmm. in kind of like very static combat, like very static um D and D type combat. I think trying to cinematize things a little bit more by like abstracting the roles a little bit and having like like the the system that I think I did, like again I haven't read the system but like the system that I think I did the Empire uses that I've read and like kind of things that are like almost like fate based systems is instead of things being like gridded out it being more of like uh like like zones of engagement type stuff and and having things a little bit looser I think fits what you want a little more um yeah I mean I also think that the Star Wars system was uh, built more on the foundation of more varied gameplay. A little bit of what we're seeing kind of like in Hell's Rebels almost, where like combat isn't the dominant form of engaging with the mechanics, right? right? Like the tech specialist is obvious is the obvious, you know, version of this, but like, you know, somebody who sits around and engages with the crafting mechanics, right? A whole class devoted just to kind of you know, diplomacy, intelligence, right. you know, sense motive, all that other kind of stuff. I think the I think the game itself wanted you to kind of get away almost, right? Like instead of ha- you like you kind of have combat specialists and then non combat specialists and then starship combat specialists, right? Like a bunch of yeah. I I, I think yeah. part of the part of the problem with like the the, the kind of base D twenty stuff is that like it's it's very good at combat and everything else always feel kind of secondary to I'm talking about systems in general, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think the systems in in Pathfinder, at least, and in D&D in general, have... I don't think they have great, like, great kind of, like, non-combat systems. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of all, like, left to, like, basic roles and, like, and, like, RP and, like, you know, like... Imagination, which is which is fun and all that, but like I, I think you Star Wars wants a little bit of uh, more parity in systems uh, across all of them, right? Because um, um, when you make when you make combat your best system and you make most of your kind of mechanics based around combat, combat kind of becomes the de facto way to do things, right? Like ninety ninety mm-hmm. percent of the feats in Pathfinder are about doing something in combat. Um, and maybe it's not that high, but you, you know what I mean. It's like all of the cool stuff in in Pathfinder is related to feats, um, with like maybe one or two exceptions. And I th- right. I think Star Wars wants to be a lot different than that. Um, although I do, like like I was mentioning before, I, I do worry about segmentation. Like I worry about like like the the space pilot type character, which is like a great archetype. But he he you know, in general, if you've got like one pool to deal with all of these things, you've got like. You, you end up feeling, like, out of place in one kind of piece of the game, right? Like, the, the pilot mm-hmm. might be great in space, but not great on the planet. And it's it's kind of hard to, to make that feel right. Um, right. Which is actually something... It's something I'm looking forward to in Starfinder, because it seems like they've kind of... By, by keeping those two roles as two separate kind of, like, sets of things, I think that's a good way to kind of avoid that problem. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and I'm super interested to see how it goes down. Um, but I guess that's what I... The, you know, these are my thoughts on Star Wars in the context of, of tabletops. Yeah, we went for a while this uh, one. Yeah. Um, uh, so... No, it's, it's fine, though. We, we, didn't, we didn't play D&D this week because... Uh, 
uh, of of timing things. So that's true. Have... I also realized that my flight is a day later, so I might even have a hard time doing next week. But we'll deal with that. Oh. <laughs> um. But what were you playing this week? Lots and lots of Nier Automata. Um, games pretty pretty great. Uh, it's not perfect. Um, I think it's got some problems with like, like with tone. There, it, it's. First of all, like, the structure of the story is kind of weird, right? Like, uh, the game has uh, famously kind of 26 endings, five of which are, like, real-ish endings. But, like, mm-hmm. endings A and B are the same story told from, like, the perspectives of the two, two different main characters. And then endings C, D, and E take place, like, immediately after A and B. So it's almost like the game included its own sequel in the box, which is kind of weird. Um, but <laughs> Okay. Um, it's good. It's 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 fun though. The, there, there's some things I don't like. Like um, it's got this weird soul style death mechanic where if you die, you leave a body behind, and you have to go retrieve it or you lose some stuff. Now my, my problem with it is that in Dark Souls, um, you lose like your currency, but you keep all your items. In this game, you lose um, you you have like um, uh, computer chips that you plug into your operating system essentially, and it gives you you're you play as an android um mm. so it gives you different combat bonuses and you lose those and they're not like 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 especially the higher level ones aren't easily obtainable so if you lose it you lose a lot of like stuff that's not easy to get back with i think there's a, a super hard failing on the mechanics because like in dark souls if you lose the currency the currency is fungible so you can always go like f- farm more if you need to um mm. And then that's kind of like the, the 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 softening of that blow is that like at the end of the day if you need to you can go you you can go fix your mistake, whereas it's much harder to do that in this game just because you can't you just can't buy replacements for some of the stuff you're um, looking at and you don't lose your money which which kind of alleviates the problem but I'd much rather lose potentially lose the money and not lose the chips because like you know the, some of them are like like kind of like style like gameplay style defining right like there's um. You know, like, ones that give you, like, lifesteal. And, you know, like, ones that give you max health. And once you're, like, kind of used to a certain way of playing, when you lose them, it really severely impacts the way that the game plays. And it just, it's, I don't know, I think it's a, it's a bad thing to potentially lose on death. I'm not a fan of that mechanic. But um, I also think that the combat lacks a ton of depth. Like, I feel like you can mash your way through most of the game. On the other hand, I think it's, I still think it's fun. And I think that the story while not perfect, is interesting enough to, to really hold your attention. I think it's really, um, really interesting stuff. Um, really cool world that's been built. Um, I think that Yokotaro is one of the, one of the kind of greats. I think, I hope he'll be remembered that way. Um, when, uh, whenever he, like, I think, I think he deserves to be up there with, like, the, the Miyamoto's Mm -hmm. and the, uh, uh, and the like, um, and, and if, if, if legend or if rather kind of like rumor is true, it's just cause he, he always makes the thing he wants to make. And like, maybe the mechanics aren't great cause he doesn't have a great gameplay team, but the stories are always kind of like whack, like not wacky as in goofy, but like kind of like, um, like, like I believe super bunny hop said it. It's kind of like, he thinks it's insane that video games have you killing so, so many people. So, most like almost all of his protagonists are like people who would be okay with killing hundreds of people, which means they're mm. like vaguely psychotic, um, and like 
I don't know. I, I think I think this game this game finally has the pairing of great gameplay, um, which was done by Platinum Games, um, combined with like Yokotaro's crazy crazy story sensibility. So it's I, I've been really enjoying it. Um, it's uh it's pretty great. Damn good. Well, uh, that's that's cool. Have you uh, have you played any Nier Automata? No, I can. I sh- theoretically should. I can literally just go get it for free. Yeah. Uh, but I have not, and I haven't thought. I you know I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I have been doing. Uh, more Hearts of Iron. I Oof. played a ton of Hearts of Iron last night. I actually, I actually played for like twelve hours straight, basically, nice. uh, which was maybe more than that, to be honest with you. Um, I finally, I went back to that Germany playthrough, and I, and I, it, it's one of those things where, and I hate this about paradox games to a certain extent, but I like love it in others, where like the rules are so complicated that I just don't have a good sense for stuff, and so there's a lot of like trial and error. But, like, the delay between figuring out what works and what doesn't and how things work and the kind like the kinds of investments that are necessary in order to make those things work is just... It's just hard. All that stuff is really hard. Um, and, uh, and so I was coming away a little bit frustrated because I got wrecked on the Maginot line. Uh, because I was kind of being stupid about how I wanted to fight France. Essentially, this is the setup, right? This is the setup. Um, I'm playing Germany, right? I want to take Czechoslovakia, right? Uh, In history, Czechoslovakia just gave itself up, essentially, right? Nobody really gave a shit. Uh, In this version, though, France is like, no, fuck you, all right? I'm starting an alliance with Czechoslovakia. If you want to fucking go take it, we're going to fight essentially and so i was like okay well france isn't allied with britain or with um the u.s yet but the but britain and the u.s are allied with each other right like this is big allies faction and uh, th- that includes by the way holland and belgium in history in order to get around the maginot line like the incredibly well defended uh french and german border hitler just basically bulldozed his tanks through belgium and holland uh, and Luxembourg in order to just get around it, right? Um, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to trigger, you know, I don't want to, it's 1939, I don't want to trigger the U.S. into the war already kind of thing. So uh, my initial attempts to just kind of break through were just completely destroyed because I didn't understand how any of the mechanics worked. But something I learned in my uh, American playthrough is that paratroopers are kind of broken, but also kind of not broken, but also kind of broken. Um, The thing about paratroopers is it lets you, it's a very easy way to, uh, it's a very easy way to kind of claim territory behind enemy lines. Um, But HP in this game is is essentially... um, organization like how organized your your divisions are and so when you paratroop in you have awful organization right and you it, it, and you need access to a supply line in order to get that stuff uh, in order to get your organization back up running so even if i could just paratroop 12 divisions a ton of guys into paris and take paris right um 
they just get wiped out by like anyone walking over because they have no HP essentially. Um, and so because they have no access to a supply line. Right. Um, and so I eventually figured out that you use paratroopers to take naval ports because naval ports connect supply lines to you and will start refreshing your, your paratroopers. And you can have your paratroopers kind of move out and then you create a, enough of a foothold, right? Uh, enough of a beachhead that you can then get your other troops in there. I had this whole big, you know, kind of panzer army. Um, and they just like rolled train over fucking France. It was like... Uh, it was just unfair. And then right as France was about to capitulate and give me everything that I always wanted, they allied with the allies and dragged everyone else into the war. And so I'm a little bit like, fuck you guys. Nice. But it's a lot of fun and the mechanics are crazy and they're weird. And I'm doing this thing where I'm like reading the guides on how these mechanics work. And I'm just like, my eyes are glazing over because they're so complicated, but I also love it because they're so complicated. Yeah, I you know, know what, what I mean? mean? Like, I feel like so, those it, are the types of things where I need to go like, well, how does Quill 18 do it? I go look up his video yeah. and watch. I, I basically have just been watching Quill 18's video as I'm playing the game. Because every once in a while, he will just... It's very low-key. Low but every once in a while, he will just say something. One thing that will, like, trigger a huge epiphany in me, right? Where it'll be like... You'll be like, oh, and by the way, this statistic, you know, like... Or it's like, okay, so there's a statistic called... Okay. So attack is broken into two categories. Soft attack and hard attack, right? Soft attack is bullets essentially hard attack is like armor piercing shit right like how how easy is it for you to fight tanks versus how easy is it for you to fight soldiers right one of the reasons that my tank divisions kind of shit on everyone especially early game is because nobody has any hard attack so nobody can pierce through um like the tank's the armor panzers, or whatever yeah. yeah my my glorious glorious panzers uh, but um Kool 18 just said this small thing in his thing where he was like uh, there's another statistic called breakthrough, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck breakthrough is. Who cares? Breakthrough is armor for divisions on the attack, right? Armor doesn't apply when you when you are defending. Armor applies when you're attacking. Breakthrough applies, and if the enemy bre breach like de like takes over your breakthrough, then you start taking real damage, essentially. Um, and it's just stuff like that happens every, uh, you know, he, where he's just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like, oh, I need to suppress some rebels. I'm going to, you know, make this small division thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why haven't I been doing this the whole time? Like that kind of stuff. I am excited to do a third playthrough, though. I don't know who I'm going to play, uh, where I kind of get to boil in, you know, just all of these vastly different, uh, learning experiences together to to do something people play you know like one of the things that people play the game for is kind of um the uh uh the you know like you play for the 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 small nations right, right? yeah australia or canada or whatever else kind of thing um and they do have some uh uh and they do have actually like a ridiculous amount of rules for them in fact they added a uh, they added a whole expansion called together for victory which is just for you know new zealand and for australia and for you know and all, all you know like all of these kinds of countries right um and 
everybody hates it because about 40% of the player base only plays Hearts of Iron 4 to play Germany and just stomp people because just like that's that's what happens right you you play Germany and you don't invade Russia and you basically this is this is this is why my game has worked out so successfully is because I never opened up an eastern front Russia and I and eventually Italy are now, are the Axis, and we're, all, we're actually at war with Japan. And Japan is shit, and bad, and losing, which is good. Um, and uh, and you just shit-stop people because, like, of how broken, kind of, Germany, Germany's, like, early game fascism stuff is. Yeah, well, it, just, it sounds like you, all you do is just, you just march on, like, you just don't make the, the mistakes that Hitler did. And you're good. Yep, yep. I mean, you know, and you can do the same thing. Like, I mean, my America run was, all told, incredibly easy. Um, mostly because, but I, but I also did some stuff different in there. Like in my American run, I invaded Venezuela and took it over because a fascist. Like, I guess fascist was just in power in Venezuela at the time. I don't actually know the the politics of it, but um, there's just uh, there are these things called national focuses that which are like little goals, right? They're like missions in Europe and Universalis that you can set for yourself, right? And uh, one of my national focuses was like set up a puppet government in Venezuela, and I was like, shit. That sounds great. Okay, I'll do that. And so I took that, and it gave me a war goal on Venezuela. And so I fucking invade, invade, so I invade Venezuela, take all of this oil. I basically have, like, a monopoly on most of the oil on the planet. The only other person with oil is, like, Iran um, and, uh, and the USSR. And, uh, but by doing that so early, I got all of these troops of mine. First of all, I increased the war like the the war the world tension by a whole bunch which allows you as the as a democracy when the world tension is high it allows you to do more stuff um and uh and on top of that it gave my armies all of this experience so i basically then just took those armies and threw them at italy and we won the game because of how just broken paratroopers what, are what is, really. what is the objective like what, sorry what do you mean like is it just like win world war ii um, you kind of just keep going. Okay. I didn't actually really play much after that, to be honest with you, because then okay. because the, so it's like a regular game where it just kind of like ends when it does. Like, like, like I, th- a, I think CKQ it has a hard end. A... I, yeah, I think it has a hard end state, uh, like in the 1950s somewhere. Like I right, think but, it's ten years. But but it's like but in it's 1956. A, but it's a date, right? Like like in yeah. like in CK2 or EU4. It's the, you don't really have an objective. You just kind of like do things. Um, yeah. So if you wanted, you, you um, could have made the American Empire and taken over the globe. Yeah, I mean, I would have been able to, uh, you know, and I think this actually probably would have happened, uh, taken over, uh, because in that game, the Allies were essentially me and Britain and France, um, and uh, the Soviet Union didn't get invited, like, we didn't faction up with the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union created its own faction called the Comintern, and so I think at that point, we would have just gone to war with the Soviet Union, uh, and just fought them, or whatever, but... You know, Cold War heats up before it gets cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it it gets a little, uh, it gets a little uh, uh, crazy when because like like experience is just so fucking valuable. It's a plus twenty five percent bonus to like just all of your combat stats when you are um, uh, when you are 
like so if you're green it's minus 50 percent and i think there's trained which might or when you're green it's minus 25 and then it's trained to zero and then you can go up three more and get all the way up to like elite or something which is like plus 100 percent and so if you have like really 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 experienced units you just like run train on kids it's like not even fair that sounds sounds awesome it is actually pretty awesome. I really do recommend it. Um, I would also like to play... I'm, I'm very interested in playing kind of multiplayer because I want to try some weird pairings. You know what I mean? I want to see what happens. You know, like pairings that never happen. Like, what happens if Italy and America make a faction and, like, invade the UK? You know what I mean? Like, that weird stuff like that, right? Like, Italy becomes democratic and turns... The, uh, I just, I just want to see some of that kind of stuff. The alternate history version, I guess, of... Um, uh, oh, then you, of World yeah, War yeah, II. Yeah. Well, that sounds neat. Um, but yeah, I guess that's uh, I guess that's about it. Um, I think I don't think I I've done anything else really interesting this week either. Um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've been playing Near Automata straight, just trying yeah. to, to to get through it because I want I I've been wanting to play it for a while. I just have a chunk of time now, so uh, yeah. Uh, uh, did, did, uh, I, I guess that's it then. Uh, if you want, okay, if, yeah. <laughs> if uh, you want to tell us what you think about Star Wars, um, or about uh, Hearts of Iron, or about Nero Tomba, you can email us at subdervisplaygames at gmail dot com. You can watch the Twitch TV slash subdervisplaygames. You can uh, uh, comment on things and subscribe and rate us on iTunes and all that good stuff. All the links will be in the description. Uh, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to plug, buddy? No, I did not. Uh, In that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.